There are financial experts to help you and I invest our money. There are fitness experts to help you become a better you. There are experts who will help you build a successful career or who will put you in just the right stand to get that big buck. There are the experts in the fields of medicine, car repair, and land management. There are experts in tax preparation and even in beekeeping. Our world is full of experts. And one of the marks of being an expert, a true expert, is that you are often sought after by other people because they want your advice in the area that you're an expert in. True? If you're a financial expert, okay, you, people come to you and they say, I want to know how you make money. I want you to help me make money. All right? And then they also say, by the way, that will cost you $200 a month. Right? And so, and, and we're willing to pay great amounts of money to have the advice of experts in our lives. That is just part of our life today. If Paul was alive today, he would be considered a church growth expert, and he will be, would be very, very sought after. The church under Paul's spirit-powered leadership went from a small regional group of churches to an empire-wide movement. But church leaders who would seek to learn and copy his methods would soon become very disillusioned. Why? Because Paul would direct their attention not to his methods, but to the one who had changed his heart. Paul would want them to understand the success they saw in his ministry because his heart was becoming more and more like the heart of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is very important for us at church to look at right now. As most of you know, we are in the process of looking for a man to come and be an associate pastor. It's fairly easy to determine his his credentials. It's fairly easy to determine most of his theology. But it is much more difficult to really see his heart. However, even though it's difficult to determine what lies within, what lies within his heart... We will find it even more difficult if we as a church do not know what a pastor's heart is supposed to look like. We need to know what God says a pastor's heart looks like. What is in there? It's not always to get out, easy to get out, especially when you're searching for a pastor, but at least we need to know what to look for. What I find so absolutely amazing is that when we started our series in Acts many, many weeks ago, we did not know that God would be moving Adam and Kelly to another ministry. We didn't know that. But in His providence, He has brought us to Acts 20.17 this morning on the eve of Kelly and Adam leaving. In this passage, we get to look into the heart of Paul via his testimony where we will find the heart of a true pastor A heart that has been changed by faith in Jesus Christ and is becoming more and more like the heart of His Savior, Jesus Christ. These verses will help prepare us to pray that the next pastor we call here will have a heart like Paul's. These verses are also a challenge to Adam and I as we both continue to grow as pastors. So please turn with me to Acts chapter 20. That would be on page 1182 of your pew Bibles if you want to look there. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to the Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. 
And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from the house to house, testifying both to Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life as of any value, nor, nor as a precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel, the grace of God. And then jump down, please, to verse 33. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands uh, ministered to my needs and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in ways that we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Please, let's pray. Father God, we bow before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how it reveals so much about life today, even in the situation that we at Sardis find ourselves looking for another man to be a pastor here. Father, we thank you that you've instructed pastors like Adam and I on what we need to develop in our hearts and what our hearts need to look like. And Father, as we as a church look at these, this passage, I pray that not only would we look at it in the realm of leadership, but also in how we and how it applies to us in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Let me give you a few details first uh, before we actually get into the text. We need to understand that this is the very first sermon in the book of Acts that is included in the we passages. And what I mean by the we passage is look up to chapter 20, verse 13. Chapter 20, verse 13. This is Luke writing. He is the author of uh, Acts. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there. Who was traveling with Paul at this point in time? Luke. So what we are getting ready to look at in the Word of God, what he is recording uh, that Paul said, who had eyewitness account of what was said Luke did this is not second hand this is not third hand he was there when Paul was speaking to the Ephesian elders also this is the only sermon Paul preached strictly to believers this is the only sermon Paul preached that we know of in Acts to only believers it's not a gospel sermon as most of Paul's messages are and it was preached to elders or pastors of the church of Ephesus and this would be his last sermon to them it was the last thing Paul would say to them before he left for Jerusalem never to return Paul's sermon contains a personal testimony which reveals his pastor's heart and this testimony is an inspiring passage for all pastors because it lays bare for all to see the heart that drives every pastor in the service of his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the first thing that Paul points out is that a pastor's heart serves with humility. A pastor's heart serves with humility. 
Look at verse 18. And when they came to him, and he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with humility and with tears and with, uh, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. This is not the only time that Paul would mention the importance of humility to the Ephesian elders. In just a couple of years from this point in time, a couple of years in the future, Paul would write a letter to the Ephesian church. Of course, that letter was probably written by, uh, or not written by, read by the elders to the church. And here's what Paul said to the, uh, to the church as a whole. I, therefore, a prisoner, he was in prison, imprisoned at this time for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With what? All humility and gentleness with patience. Do you think that the Ephesian elders who were reading this a couple years later, uh, that the Ephesian elders would have remembered what Paul was saying here on the beach? Yeah, because he says, you need to, uh, my heart, I've served you with humility, and now he's telling them what? As a church, humility should be part of what, it, uh, what the Ephesian church is, and who is the example of that humility in the Ephesian church? The pastor's pastors a church will never know what humility is not in the way that they could if they don't have it modeled to them from the pastors that they have called humility is important because pride is a great danger and temptation for most everyone at one time or another however it is especially dangerous for those who are shepherds of christ's church many have the privilege of higher education so they can handle god's word with confidence Pastors are given authority by God Himself to lead the flock. He has given them to greener pastures and guide them through the dangers they will encounter in this world. And most of the time, their flock hold them in high regard. Pastors are held in high regard. And put these things all together, and it's easy for pastors to become prideful. Sometimes it's easy for them to drift into being prideful. And I ask at this point in time that each of you continually pray that God would grow Adam and my, and my heart to become more like Paul's so that we would always serve as Christ's under-shepherds with humility because pride is the, is, will always even knock at our doors. Put all these things together and that is one of the best ways you can help me and Pastor Adam and the man who is coming to serve you as pastors and we need to pray for that because adam is walking into a new church and when adam walks into that church he needs to know that they are looking to him to help them understand what humility looks like in every way and how he serves them we both want to see that our service as paul did this is how I want to see myself, and I know that this is how Pastor Adam, he says, to me, this is Paul speaking, though I am very least of all the saints. Paul said, I am the least of all. Think about Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament, and he looked at himself in his walk with Christ and said, I am the least of all saints. I know that Pastor Adam and I want to have that hard attitude. Over the next number of weeks, pray also that God would lead us to a man who has a humble heart to help lead this church. That's something you can do in a tangible way right now is to ask God, to say, God, the man you're going to send us, please help him be an example in humility.
to us. The second thing that Paul gives testimony about is a tender, a pastor's heart is a tender heart. He says that in that, in that same sentence, serving the Lord with all humility, humility and with tears, and with tears. Paul mentions tears twice in this passage. You see that there in verse 19. And if you drop down to verse 31, look at verse 31. Therefore, be alert. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with what? With tears. I believe many see Paul as a man who is quite sober, focused, and stern. Some of his letters do portray this. He's a serious man. He's serious about the gospel. He's serious about rooting out false teaching and false teachers. But in this, in, it's verses like these that we see the tender pastoral heart of Paul. We also see Paul's pastoral heart in his letter to the Philippians. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of Christ. Paul did not shy away from calling out the false teachers the Philippians were having to deal with, but he did not do it with gladness. He called them out while shedding tears, knowing that where their path would take them, knowing that they needed to see and understand who Jesus Christ was. I do not believe that Paul was a man who cried at the drop of a hat. I believe that man, Paul was a man of great tenderness. He never forgot what God had saved him from, so he was able to identify with those with whom he had ministered. Have you ever wondered why Paul was so effective as he went to so many different cultures, the Greek culture, the Roman culture, planting churches wherever he went? I believe Paul was able to reach so many people from so many different backgrounds because he struggled with them in their struggles and grieved with them in their griefs. And they remembered that Paul was a man who taught hard things. He was a man who would not equivocate on the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he was also a man that could relate to them and share their hurts and their sorrows with them, who could cry with them when he saw them hurt. I ask each of you to please pray that God would keep Adam and my hearts tender even in the difficulties of ministry, and that the man he has chosen to come as our new associate pastor would be a man who could also serve his flock with this tenderness. We need strong Godly, confident men in the pulpit, preaching the Word of God. But we also need men who know how to be tender. And when people in the congregation are struggling, instead of being critical, they walk alongside them and say, let me help, let me lead, let me guide. That's another thing that we see in Paul's heart of a pastor, this tenderness. The third thing that we see in Paul's heart, a pastor's heart, is, a pa- is passionate, passionate about preaching. A pastor's heart is passionate about preaching. Feeding the flock with God's word is the most important point or part of a pastor's ministry. One of the heart characteristics of a pastor is they love God's word and they love to teach and preach God's word. And I hope and pray that you see that in Pastor Adams of my life. Listen to what Paul charges Timothy, a young pastor, to do. He says here, I, 
All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, complete and equipped for every good work. That is 2 Timothy chapter 3. He ends that chapter and he says, this is what God's Word is. This is how important God's Word is. God's Word has every answer you will need to live this life for Jesus Christ. Amen? Is that what that passage is saying? Then, now look to what he says. I charge you in the presence. He's talking to Timothy, a young pastor. He's telling Timothy, this is how the church is to run. This is what you are supposed to do as a pastor. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to, uh, to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And what was fulfilling that ministry? Preaching the word of God that he just described in chapter three at the end preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. It says there, uh, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with patience. There's that tenderness. A pastor's heart loves God's Word. Paul made sure Timothy knew that feeding his flock, God's Word was the most of utmost importance. We see in our passage this morning that Paul himself had a passion for preaching God's Word, just like he instructed Timothy to do. And in our passage... There are at least, at least five things within Paul's ministry, five things that we see his heart driving him to do that draw our attention to Paul's passion for preaching. Look at verse 20. And he says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you every, anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. First, he preached, he was passionate about preaching publicly. Every time, every place Paul went, every time he walked into a city, what do you see Paul doing in his ministry throughout Acts? He walks into a town. He walks into, into Corinth. Doesn't know anybody. He is grieved to the heart about all the idols, and he's in the middle of the town, in this city, and he starts preaching the Word of God to anybody who will listen. A pastor's heart drives him to be passionate about preaching, and they preach publicly any chance they get. I remember Pastor Adam, one of the times that... Uh, just in ministry around the area here, he was uh, asked to do a devotional for the basketball, uh, whatever they call that, uh, upward, all right? You know what he was really excited about? I get to preach. I get to give a devo. I get to talk about Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any difference where it's at or how, what age or how many people Pastors love to preach publicly. But we also see in this same, the pastors are passionate about preaching, and he was passionate about preaching because he preached privately. It says that he preached from where? House to what? House. Guess what? If your pastor is passionate about the Word of God, if he's passionate about preaching, every time you're invited over to his house, every time you invite him to your house, guess what you're going to hear? Something about God's Word at some time. Maybe that's why we're not invited out a whole lot. 
But, but is that true? How many of you men have ever gone to lunch or breakfast with me that at some time during that time we end up talking about God's Word? Is that the norm? Every time. And I can see it in their eyes. We're having this great conversation and we know it's been there half an hour and they're just waiting. When's Pastor Mark going to bring it up? I know it's coming. Because we love to preach and teach, whether it's publicly or privately. And then if you go down to verse 21, look at verse 21. Testifying to both Jews and Greeks of the repentance towards God and the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he preach privately, but a pastor, if he's passionate about preaching, he will preach to everybody. Paul says, I will preach to Jews or Gentiles. And in his culture and in his mind, who did that include? Everybody. It didn't make any difference of the social economic status. It didn't make any difference where they lived or how they lived or if they uh, were dirty or if they were sick or if they were diseased. It did not make any difference. He wanted to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted to preach God's word to everybody he came in contact with. He declared the word of God to both Jews and Greeks. The Jews always gave him a hard time. In fact, look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. He makes mention of this. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through what? The plots of the Jews. Every time Paul ended up going before the Jews, he got in trouble. They didn't want him around. They would tolerated him for a while, but they ended up chasing him out most every town that he went to. They had given him a really hard time in Ephesus. They chased him out. The Gentiles weren't much better. The riot in Ephesus that we read about earlier in Acts as we studied through this in this series uh, was caused by the uh, Gentiles. They were upset, and the whole city was in a riot. They were in an uproar. But Paul wouldn't stop preaching. He preached to everybody. We also understand that a pastor who is passionate about preaching preaches the gospel preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see that in verse 21. Testifying to both the Jews and the Greeks of the repentance towards God and the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul clearly preached the gospel of Jesus Christ every chance he got. Repentance means turning from sin. Faith in Jesus means believing in Him only for salvation. And that is the preaching of the gospel that every pastor is passionate about and is the only kind of preaching that is any good or worthwhile to listen to. Paul's preaching wasn't flamboyant and it wasn't bland. His preaching was passionate, pointed, and rooted in God's word, and God blessed it wherever he went. And then we also see if a pastor is passionate about preaching, passionate about God's word, he will preach all of God's word. Every single piece of it. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. And then jump down to verse 27. Look at verse 27. Actually start in verse 26. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you what? The whole counsel of God, whether you agree with it, whether you like it, it does not make any difference. I am going to tell you every jot and tittle that I find in God's word. And he preached every single bit of it. He didn't just preach about the grace and mercy and love of God. 
He preached about the sin that condemns everyone and God's absolute judgment of sin. And he preached about the grace, love, and compassion of God. He preached about God's sovereignty and salvation and man's responsibility to accept that gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers. He preached the exclusiveness of the gospel. He preached that salvation always leads to a life change. He preached about the joys of salvation, reconciliation, adoption, forgiveness, eternity, eternal life, rewards, and inheritance, and our being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. All of that Paul talked about. He never shied away from anything that was hard. He didn't shy away from anything that he didn't think people didn't want to hear. And he didn't shy away from the things that are really difficult for us to grasp. He preached the whole counsel of God. Again, I ask you to pray for Adam and I. I pray that we would never, lo- pray that we would never lose our passion to preach and teach the whole counsel of God's word, no matter what it costs. Pray our preaching and teaching would rightly divide God's word. Pray that we would never be distracted from the feeding of God's flock as God has asked us to. I enjoy my Oreos as much as anybody else. I assume everybody here loves Oreos, right? But I'm going to tell you something. My life would not be healthy if that's all I got. I need to have the Brussels sprouts. Okay? I need to have the meat. I need to have some of the things that I really don't care for as much as I like the Oreos. Because it is good for me. It is healthy for me. It makes me able to do the ministry of God because I eat well. Like, rightly, not well. I do eat well, too. All right? But we have to understand that, that we need things that we don't always want. If we only listen to, if we only listen to pastors or preachers who preach the things that we like, we're going to be unhealthy members of God's church. And God doesn't want his church to be unhealthy. I still haven't been able to eat greens yet. They keep telling me they're good for me, but I'm learning. I'm growing. Just like I'm growing in my pastoring, I'm growing in liking greens, all right? I ask that you would pray for Pastor Adam, and I pray that we would never lose our passion to preach the whole counsel of God. And also pray that the man who will eventually share the responsibility of feeding this flock would be a man who can rightly divide God's word, and that he would be passionate about preaching, and that he would not skip one word in it. And when he comes to a passage to preach, he will preach the whole counsel of God. That's the man we want here. We want a man who's going to stand alongside of me and help pastor this church and that we will both be passionate about preaching the whole counsel of God's Word. The final thing God gives te- uh, Paul gives testimony about is that a pastor's heart is free from self-interest. A pastor's heart is free from self-interest. If you look in chapter 20, he says down in verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You, know you, know, you yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, what we're looking at this morning is Paul's testimony about his life and his heart and his ministry. We skipped over some verses that we're going to get back to next week. But in those verses, in, in starting in verse 33, we see that Paul says, I am not interested. 
in what I make for a living. I am not interested in silver or gold. Jesus made it clear also that his people cannot serve two masters. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, and a pastor cannot serve God and money at the same time. It does not work. It does not work. And the writer of Hebrews echoed Jesus' teaching when he wrote, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. These are general teachings to everybody. By the way, those two verses apply to everybody here, not just pastors. We are to be content with what we have. We are not to love God and mammon at the same time. And Paul in his testimony here, we find again that, uh, that men of God... We see a pastor's heart in Paul. We find that the men God has chosen to be shepherds of his flock will lead by example because they have their hearts that are focused on giving and not getting. Again, look at verse 33 again. I coveted no one's silver or gold. That's a personal testimony. He said, for three years I was here. I proved to you, I showed you by example that I'm here to serve you, to love you, to care for you, to preach the gospel to you, and I did not want to be a burden on you. I did not want what I needed or the things of my life or my self-interest to get in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, I laid that all aside. God will take care of me. The truth was very important to Paul. This truth was very important to Paul. Not long before he died, he wrote two personal letters to two young pastors, Timothy and Titus. In both of these letters, he made it clear that pastors they chose to lead, that they would choose to lead in their area churches, were not to be in love with money. We see this in, in Titus 1.7. For, uh, for an overseer, which is what? We've already covered this. What is an overseer? A pastor, an overseer, as God's servant, must be above reproach, and he must not be arrogant. There's that what? Humility. Some of the things that we've already talked about this morning. Or be quick-tempered, or drunken, or violent, or what? Greedy for gain. He is not interested in what he is going to get out of preaching and teaching. He is not greedy for gain. That's to Titus. Now to another young pastor, Timothy, he's giving a list of what a pastor should be and he says not a drunkard not violent but gentle we've seen that already that that is parallel there to humility not quarrelsome and what not a lover of money we have the general teaching of the bible that we cannot serve god and mammon we have the general teaching of the bible that all of us should be content that we should not be uh worshiping and and wanting to get all of life here has to offer as far as material things but then we see that Paul talks to two young pastors, Timothy and Titus, and he says, if you're going to lead the church well, not only do you not to be, need to not love money, but the people you pick to lead your churches, the people you pick in the areas that you are to serve as elders, to serve as pastors, they must not love money either. They must not be greedy for gain. Paul was so insistent that this was important. Why is this important to Paul? Listen to this. Because he knew that the love of money has always characterized false teachers. The love of money has always 
characterized false teachers. You will find nothing else in the Bible that, that goes against that statement. He knew the prophets in the Old Testament like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Micah, all of them, every single one of them condemned the false and greedy leaders of Israel. And he knew firsthand that, uh, from firsthand experience that false teachers sought shameful gain from those in the church. Look at what he writes in Titus 1.11. <clears throat> He's saying, they... <coughs> he says in Titus 1.11, <clears throat> they must be silenced, the false teachers, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for what? Shameful gain. What they ought not to teach. False teachers and a love for money from the pulpit always go together in the word of God. This is why Paul passionately reminded these elders listening to him, I have coveted no one's silver or gold, and you are all witnesses to that. And Paul also encouraged them to follow his example. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In all these things I have shown you, what is he saying? I have been your example that by working hard in this way that who must help? We. You be like me. We must help the weak and remember the word of the Lord Jesus, how himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. A pastor who has a pastor's heart, a pastor who has a heart like Paul, he is more interested in giving of himself, giving of his time, giving of his money, giving of his person, of, of everything that he is. To whom? The people he's a shepherd over. A pastor who has a pastor's heart will spend his life on his flock pastor who has a pastor's heart like Paul will spend his life on his flock. It doesn't mean he doesn't have anything else he does. It doesn't mean that he abandons his family. It means that he learns and works in balance and that his flock know beyond a shadow of a doubt he loves me. He cares for me. A pastor who is free from self-interest will always be a man who works hard not to be a burden on those who God has given to him to be a shepherd. He will always, like I said, be quick to give of his time and money and talents. His heart will truly be a heart that mimics the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for all of our sins. A pastor will, is an under-shepherd. A pastor, in his example of his life, will be an example of how Christ gave his life for us. I ask you again for the last time this morning to please keep Adam and I in your prayers. Keep Adam and I in your prayers that God would protect our hearts and become self, that our hearts would not become self-focused. Pray that we would become more and more like our Lord and Savior, desiring to give more than to receive. And also for the last time this morning, I ask you to pray that the man we call to share in the responsibility of shepherding this flock will have the heart that desires to give more than receive. As I said just a few minutes ago, this sermon that Paul gives to the Ephesian elders contains a personal testimony which reveals a pastor's heart. Paul says, you've watched me, you've seen me, you've seen this in me. This testimony is an inspiring passage for all pastors because it lays bare before all to see the heart that drives every pastor in the service of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His words are important for every pastor who leads one of Jesus Christ's flocks. And therefore, it is important for Abinai that every pastor you will ever lead to call you, that you will ever call to lead you, 
will not be like him, will not be like me, but will have the heart of Paul. Do not call the next pastor here because you're trying to find another pastor, Adam. The next man you want to call here is a man who has a heart like Paul, no matter what he looks like, even if he doesn't have a beard. Don't shirk that responsibility because you get to be part of the process. You need to review this passage and what we're going to talk about next week. You need to understand what it is. It should be in a pastor's heart because all of you get to vote. All of you from now until the time that we find a man get to pray. Those are things that you can do right now. Pray. In fact, there is another sheet on your pew. If you didn't see it, I think it's purple. And on the back of that sheet is every prayer request that I made today. So you don't have to remember them. We know how that goes. For all of us, from now, every day we should be praying this. Every day we should be asking Lord God to please be with our pastors, help them to grow in, the heart like Paul, in their heart like Paul was. And please, Lord God, send us a man who is also like Paul. And we need to pray this for Pastor Adam. He's starting a new ministry. He now is the one who is the example for a group of people. He has been that here, but right now, he is it where he's going. And I'm telling you something. He's walking in blind. He's going to need Paul's heart. He's going to need to understand what his heart should be because he doesn't know what he's walking into. Any more than Paul knew what he was walking into in some of the cities that he went into. And Adam needs to make sure he does not shirk any one of these things that mark a pastor's heart. And we need to pray for him. And we need to pray for Kelly because she gets to walk alongside. And she needs to be there to help him and to, to help him understand it's okay. You don't have all the answers today. She is going to need your prayers too. Because as God calls him to lead that church, she is following along and saying, Lord God, help me to walk alongside of him. And so this is what I'm asking, again, that every person here, that you would continually pray, understand this passage for this week and next week, pray for these prayer requests, Keep it before the Lord because we need His help. Adam and I need His help to be the men that we're supposed to be as pastors. And this church needs His help in finding a man to help shepherd this church. Amen? Bow your heads for just a minute, please. As Michelle plays for a minute, I'd like you to please take that purple sheet and pick two or three items on that sheet and pray right now. Let's don't say that we have to pray when we get home. Let's, let's take a minute right now and pray for what's on that sheet. As a unified congregation,
coming to God. Father God, we come to you as a congregation of men and women and children who love you so much. And we recognize, Lord God, that we cannot find a man by ourselves. We need your guidance, your leading. We need your insight. And Father, we pray that you would help us to discern who the man is that you've called to be in this church, to share the ministry of being a pastor. We pray, Lord God, that he would have a humble heart, that he would be a man of tenderness, a man who is passionate about your word, and a man who would come willing to give more than he would ever receive. Lord God, we ask your help. And Father, we pray for the man that you've already chosen. We pray, Lord God, that in all the change that is getting ready to happen in his life and his family's life, if he has one, that you would draw him close to yourself and that you would continue to prepare his heart to join us in reaching Swansea, Colombia, Mexico, and other places in the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord God, I come to you on behalf of Adam and I that we would be able to continue to grow in our humility and that we would humbly serve you first and then the people that you've given us as our flock. I pray, God, that you would keep Adam's and my heart tender even in the difficulties of ministry, even with the difficult people. And Lord God, help us always to look at them like you look at us. Never with a critical eye. I pray that Adam and I would never, ever lose our passion to preach and teach God's Word. I pray that the people in sitting in this auditorium and in the auditorium that is meeting right now, probably uh, for, for Adam, that the people sitting in those two churches, in these two churches, would never, ever get tired of hearing the Word of God preached, every part of it. Father, grow us together in Your Word. Strengthen us with Your Word. Excite us with your word and prepare us with your word to be lights to the world around us. Father God, thank you that we have seen Paul's heart in a testimony about how he did ministry in Ephesus. Thank you for what we have learned this morning. Thank you, Lord God, that you have further prepared us for the future ahead of us. In Christ's name. Amen.